Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel. And on this day, we're going to be taking a look at the hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Now, a lot of people are wondering, why are we doing Salvation Unto Us Has Come? We actually have a choice of three hymns for this coming Sunday. One of them is, of course, for the Sunday of Pentecost. But it's also Reformation. And there are two options for Reformation. Of course, Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And also Salvation Unto Us Has Come. We're going to do Salvation unto us because we've done Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress other times this year. In 1523, when Martin Luther was writing the Latin Mass and he wanted it for lay people, he expressed a strong desire for hymns in the vernacular, that is the language of the people. He was committed to providing German language hymns for the people to sing and was actively seeking gifted poets to work with him on this project. One such poet was Paul Sparatus, born 1484, died 1551. He wrote three of the eight hymns published in the first Lutheran hymnal. And in that first Lutheran hymnal, the first hymn was Luther's Dear Christians, one and all rejoice. That hymn was followed by Sparatus's Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Both hymns clearly distinguish law and gospel and proclaim that the sinner is justified by God through grace. This is the hymn of the day, not only for Septuagisma, but also is the alternate hymn for Reformation Day, which we are now going to be using. Uh, excuse us, we had a problem with the microphone, but I think we're okay now. Okay. The uh, person that we're going to have on the line with us today, though, is not Mark Smith, he's on assignment, but we're going to have with us Mark Laverty. Hi, Mark. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning. Mark is well known to people on KFUO. He's not only an organist at Zion Lutheran Church in the area, but he also 
were you not the one who dedicated the piano uh, here at the headquarters, that uh, Grand Piano, when they got it? Oh, my, that's going back a ways. I believe I did. <laughs> yes, you did. I know I, then... I know. I, I also uh, just dedicated another Grand Piano up in the uh, Chicago area this May, this past May, with a big concert up there. Yes, and, and you're also well-known for going around doing concerts, uh, but also for the pro-life, correct? Yes, that's another issue that's dear to my heart. Um, the uh, killing of unborn babies just uh, is not uh, um, what a what a caring country should be doing and allowing. And uh, so I try to help Lutherans for Life and some of the other local uh, pro-life organizations with the benefit concerts and so forth. Okay, so we're going to take a look at Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Um, It's 10 verses long. Well, it's actually 14 stanzas long, uh, according to the uh, Lutheran Hymnal Companion, uh, there were 14 original stanzas that Sparatus wrote, but uh, we only uh, used 10 of them in our hymnal. That's correct. So why don't you go ahead and read the first stanza, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, I'll do that. But first of all, before that, I want to wish you a happy commemoration of Philip Nikolai, Johann Hiermann, and Paul Gerhardt, Hymn Writers Day. Today is the commemoration of those three hymn writers uh, in the Lutheran Church. Excellent. They did some wonderful hymns. All right. Yeah, they were all basically 16th century uh, composers. Right. Stanza one. Okay. Oh, and I love the first phrase. It encapsulates uh, both Let's go ahead and and read the first stanza. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone, who did for all the world atone. He is our one Redeemer. Yes, that's very close to one of the readings for this Reformation Sunday, namely Romans chapter 3 says very clearly that good works cannot avert our doom. And that's why we indicated this is a great law and gospel hymn. It certainly shows that one is not saved by works, but by faith looking to Jesus Christ, who did for all the world atone. He is our one redeemer. All right, what else do you like about this verse? Well, as I said, the first phrase uh, implies that we need salvation. Um, So there's law right there, but it says the salvation has come to us. So we have gospel and law right in that first phrase. Yes, the whole idea that salvation has come to us means it's not something that we have invented. It is something that we have received by God's free grace and favor. And God's grace, of course, is the idea of receiving something we don't deserve. So that's a great beginning of that hymn. Let me read stanza two. 
what God did in his law demand, and none to him could render, caused wrath and woe on every hand for man the vile offender. Our flesh has not those pure desires the spirit of the law requires, and lost is our condition. So unbelievers can even do good works, but it isn't according to the spirit that the law requires. And what is that spirit that the law requires? The spirit that the law requires would be perfection. It's really the work of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In, In other words, a lot of people can do good works, but they do it not the way that God wants it done. The word law simply here means God's will. And God's will, if you take a look at the sheep and the goats, he applauded the sheep because what? They were doing fruit of the Holy Spirit and he did not applaud the goats, even though they may have been doing good works, but they did not have the proper spirit in what they were doing. I love that last phrase, and lost is our condition. Yes. That's interesting that of all the phrases, that's the one you love. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it clearly clearly states the law. That's right. That's right. And, And the law needs to be clearly stated. All right. Stanza three, please. It was a false, misleading dream that God his law had given that sinners could themselves redeem and by their worker and by their works gain heaven. The law is but a mirror bright to bring the inbred sin to light that lurks within our nature. Yes. Again, thoughts right from Romans three, that every other religion in the world has this misleading dream They have a set of laws, and they believe that their God has given them so that they could redeem themselves. But that's not possible. There are nothing that their works gain heaven. I often like making the distinction between under the law you merit heaven, under the gospel you inherit heaven. How how would you understand that? (laughs) You've got it exactly right. Yes. So what is the purpose of the law, according to verse 3? To reflect our condition, to show us uh, what's wrong with us, kind of like an x-ray machine shows your cancer or something, uh, some other problem. Oh, that's good. Because a lot of people, they'll go to the doctor for a checkup, and they'll find something through exams, uh, a problem you have, an illness, and you're unaware of it because you don't feel it and and this sort of thing. And that's why the law needs to be preached because people are really unaware. In fact, one of the worst things you can do is give a sermon where you give the impression that God loves you more and you've got a better chance of getting to heaven by being a good person. Okay, stanza four, if you would read that. 
Okay. Uh, from sin our flesh could not abstain. Sin held its sway unceasing. The task was useless and in vain. Our guilt was ever increasing. None can remove sin's poison dart or purify our guilt, uh, guileful heart. So deep is our corruption. More law there. Yes. And it says very clearly that there's nothing we can do to, to stop from sinning. In, in fact, that's actually part of a, uh, a confession that we have in the uh, uh, liturgy that there comes a time when it's impossible for us to stop from sinning. In fact, um, let me just read that. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. And now here comes this part I like. And that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. That's part of the confession and absolution of setting for of divine service. And that's exactly what this verse is talking about. Any other comments on verse 4? Well, it reminds me of a person sinking in quicksand. There's nothing you can do. You can struggle and fight, but you're not going to get out unless someone save you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I was watching a movie, and a guy was falling into quicksand, and a woman on a horse came up, and she said, do you need some help from me? And because she was a woman, he said, no, no, I can handle this but he couldn't. <laughs> and so she took her rope that she was carrying and lassoed him uh, just by throwing the rope towards him and pulled him out. That was interesting and showed that we definitely need someone to help us through that. All right, I'll read stanzas five. Yet, as the law must be fulfilled or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's anger stilled, our human nature sharing. He has for us the law obeyed, and thus the Father's vengeance stayed, which over us impended. See, a lot of people don't realize that the law must be fulfilled, but they think that they're the ones that have to do it. And what does yeah. this verse say? Well, the fifth phrase says, he has for us the law obeyed. Yes. That's what we call his active obedience. And then his passive obedience was taking upon himself the punishment we deserved because we were not obeying the law. So Jesus is our wonderful and gracious substitute. That really makes a difference. Then the final sentence says, uh, the Father's vengeance is stayed, which was hanging over us, uh, which over us impended. Yes. And that Father's vengeance <laughs> is really nothing we need to fear as we believe in Jesus Christ. All right, verse 6, please. Since Christ has full atonement made and brought us to salvation, 
brought to us salvation. Each Christian, therefore, may be glad and build on this foundation. Your grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Your death is now my life indeed, for you have paid my ransom. Ransom, that's an interesting word. How would you explain that in a Bible class? Well, <laughs> this is the ultimate ransom uh, for somebody's life. Usually you, uh, in, in, our, in our world, we get people who kidnap other people and uh, demand money to have that child or that person returned. Uh, but in this case, uh, the ransom is the life of our Savior, of our God, and uh, it pays not only for each uh, our individual sins and our uh, pays for our eternity or eternal salvation, but it's the whole world, every human being who ever lived. Yes, a word close to ransom is Christ is our Redeemer, and that refers to the payment that was given to free a slave from slavery so they became a free person. So Jesus did that, and that's why every Christian may be glad and build on this foundation. If you want to build on the foundation of your works, well, you're not going to have a very good attitude towards God. Correct. All right, I'll read stanza seven. Let me not doubt but truly see your word cannot be broken. Your call rings out, come unto me. No falsehood have you spoken. Baptized into your precious name, my faith cannot be put to shame, and I shall never perish. Now, in that stanza, we have the reason why every Christian should say that heaven is my home. And what is that reason? Um, well, I see this, the statement, uh, your call rings out, come unto me, baptized into your precious name, yeah, that's it. And Baptism yeah. is the reason why you can be assured that you are saved. Because yeah. in baptism, God gives promises. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So even when we baptize an infant, I baptize you into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That baby infant is now adopted into God's family. And therefore, our faith cannot be put to shame. Any other remarks on number seven? No, I think we're making good progress. <clears throat> All right. Would you read eight? <clears throat> the law reveals the guilt of sin and makes us conscience stricken. But then the gospel enters in the sinful soul to quicken or to bring back to life. Come to the no, cross. It, it doesn't say that. It just says the sinful world soul to quicken. You yeah. have in your text and bring me back to life? In my mind. No, no, no. We need to read the verse first. Then we talk about it. Come to the cross 
trust Christ and live. The law no peace can ever give, no comfort and no blessing. So how do you explain the sinful soul to quicken? What does that mean? Well, the sinful soul, it's dead. We're dead in our trespasses. Quicken means to bring to life. Yes, that's very important. We've got to keep remembering that children are singing these hymns, and they wouldn't understand the sinful soul to quicken. About the closest they get to the word quick is a chocolate drink, Nestle's Quick or something like that. But you are correct. It means to bring to life. And how are you brought to life? What do you come to according to that verse? Come to the cross. Yes. That's really important that the cross is the answer for a lot of our problems, a lot of our griefs, a lot of our sorrow. I'll read nine. Faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing. And by its fruits, true faith is known with love and hope increasing. For faith alone can justify, work, serve our neighbor, and supply the proof that faith is living. That is a huge distinction between Christianity and everything else. They would say that our works are the things that justify us. But according to this verse, works are not part of our justification but they end up after we have been totally justified in serving our neighbor and they actually supply the proof or the evidence that faith is living. And that's clear from the parable of the sheep and the goats. Anything else on nine? No, I think that's it. All right. Would you read the, final stanza we have in this hymn, though, number 10. All blessing, honor, thanks, and praise to Father, Son, and Spirit, the God who saved us by his grace, all glory to his merit. O triune God in heaven above, you have revealed your saving love. Your blessed name we hallow. And where do you think you get the idea of uh, hallowing his name? Uh, From the Lord's Prayer. Exactly. Well said. Hallowed be thy name. And what does it mean to hallow God's name? To keep it holy. Yes. And to particularly obey the second commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. I don't know how much you watch TV or anything, but you rarely see a movie these days where they're not taking God's name in vain that they're using it for a purpose that he did not intend. And uh, there's a triangle in front of verse 10. Why is that there? Well, that means that this stanza contains uh, a reference to the Trinity, and uh, typically in in congregations we stand for that uh, stanza. Yes. Yeah, you'll notice in the first Lutheran hymnal we ever had, there are no triangles. But in in this one, there are. 
and um, it helps us to understand. So, verse 10, the God who saved us by his grace, and that goes right back to verse 1, salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Yes. Now, before we get off the air, if people want to get a hold of you to do a concert <laughs> or a pro-life concert, how do they contact you? Well, they can go to my website, marklaverty.com, and it's M-A-R-K-L-A-V-E-R-T-Y, marklaverty.com. Excellent. And isn't there a CD that you sell? I do have a CD uh, of piano music uh, called Music of Bach. It's a complete uh, a collection of uh, Bach's works. Yeah, exactly. No, well, not, not all of his works, but just selected ones that I play. That's right. So, marklaverty.com. Go take a look at that. Contact him if you're at all interested in having him do a concert at your church or wherever, especially of a pro-life a variety. I'm Tom Baker, and that was Mark Laverty. Thank you for listening. Join us tomorrow again at 930. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.